You're listening to the Influential Conversations podcast with Industry Influencer of the Year, Kirk Stafford and guests. Proudly brought to you by Tappy, helping property managers deliver a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and save 40% of their time processing maintenance requests. Box Brownie, the innovators in property photography. Have a look at their new product, Snap, Snap, Snap. This is the brand new phone app designed specifically for real estate agents, which allows you to shoot professional quality photographs straight from your phones. Inspection Express. They're the market leader in property inspection reporting and digital signature property documentation, giving you a seamless approach to the way that you manage properties, as well as Agent Dynamics, the market-leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow, and retain your property teams since 2014. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stafford. Well, hi, and thanks for joining us in another of the series of Influential Conversations. My guest today is the delightful Samantha Gatherham Goss from Home Ground Realty. For those of you who, who don't know Sam, she's been in the industry for quite a while now, did have her own property management business in the centre of, of Melbourne, or not quite, I think it was South Yarra, wasn't it, Sam? Yep. Sold that in 2022 and took on the role as the uh, the officer in effective control of Home Ground Realty. Now, Home Ground, if you don't know them, are a not-for-profit. I'll get Sam to explain how that works in, in a minute. She's the mum of two. She and her husband live in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Fabulous family, delightful lady. I'm going to throw it over to you, Sam. So tell us about you. Who are you? How did uh, you get into this business? Well, I I come from a family with a background in property investing. And then I moved to Melbourne when I was 18 and immediately started in real estate. I started in reception. And when I was 21, I started Cura, which I, I ran for almost nine years. And that settled yeah, December 2021, so almost 22. Uh, yeah. And then I kicked back for a few months until I decided that I was bored and applied for this role in Homeground. And it's a very different structure. Um it is a not-for-profit, as you mentioned, which means we've got a board of directors, got a CEO, and we're owned by a very, very large organisation that provides housing and crisis accommodation for anyone experiencing homelessness in, in Melbourne. And that's where our profits go as well. Yeah. I see. So yeah. So short one. <laughs> home, home Ground's philosophy then by the sound of it is, is, is one of very very strong social justice philosophy. And obviously most of us, I think, listening to this come from a, a for-profit background. So it's it's probably a little different in that regard, but I'm guessing that the agency itself wouldn't run any more differently because there's still a lot of regulatory requirements that we've got, correct? Yeah, it's same, same, but different. The actual management, the only slight difference with that is that we run with three different levels of service. So we've got full market value properties like your everyday commercial agency. And then we also do a little bit of privately owned and funded affordable and social housing. 
So it's that sort of double impact with us providing affordable and social housing plus the profits going back to launch. Launch is the parent yeah, sorry, parent right. organization. Okay. Yep. Sure. yep. And yeah, so it does it does run a little bit differently in that respect, but it's still essentially a, a commercial agency, but trying to do a little bit better with, with the funds that we do receive. Okay. Yeah. In short. Yep. So you got you say you've got about 320 properties under management with four PMs and a, st- a staff complement, excluding yourself, of six. That's a that's a pretty good ratio. Where do you find, for you and your team, where do you, where do you find most of your challenges are? I've got a pretty good team. I'm not going to lie. They're they're great with providing ideas and continuous improvement to home ground and our procedures as well. I think probably the biggest challenge is around the social and affordable housing and the perception mm-hmm. that sort of comes with it because we do have some that perceive it as us only running social housing and, and things like that, but it is privately owned and privately held properties. So mm-hmm. it's not quite the same as a social housing provider. So that is a bit of a challenge for both, I guess, the public perception of what we do and also from the perspective of some of the renters that we we work with because mm-hmm. unlike government-funded housing, it's not, it's not permanent because it's still privately held. Right, okay, yeah. Mm. So it's yeah they, they they don't have a lifetime right to it as you would if you're in social housing yeah yeah correct mm. so everyone signs a standard residential tenancy the all the legislation remains the same the only difference with those properties is some other regulatory requirements from our side when it comes to providing that housing okay <clears throat> yep and how how do you find with your staff, I mean, obviously with those challenges, there'd be occasions where they'd say, hey, look, I'm really struggling. How are you dealing with that with them? What's what? How do you start to bring someone around from that point of going, you know what, I just don't want to be here today. Yeah. I've had enough. Uh, I've got this going on with this landlord or this tenant. And the so, there you go. I'm a dinosaur. Rental provider and renter. <laughs> exactly like that. To be honest, Mm -hmm. I think everyone needs to remember that they're human Mm -hmm. and they have bad days Mm -hmm. and they need to look after themselves sometimes. And so there's occasions when things things happen regardless of how hard any of us try. And so if you, from my staff perspective, if they need to take a break, I tell them, go for a walk or whatever. Our office is based in Collingwood, so we've got lots of good little coffee shops around and stuff. And so I deal with it just like that. I just Mm. say, put it down and walk away. Mm. And we're also very fortunate because we are part of a not-for-profit. We actually have some additional leave entitlements as well, which is really handy. Okay, Uh, And so... The, the staff members can take those days on short notice if they need to and they can use that or obviously if something's quite bad, 
we've also got access to psychologists through mm-hmm. our employer. Yep. So we're we're very, very fortunate. And I understand that that's a very different structure than most property managers would be working mm-hmm. under. But I come from a property management background and I'm running a property management business within a larger charity. And I, under, I, I guess I, I have a bit of an understanding of what they're going through and I try to help them as much as I can. But if you need mm-hmm. a break, you need a break. Yep. True enough. True enough. And what about for yourself? <clears throat> Pardon me. I mean, obviously, we've had three, because it is now three years since this pandemic started, we've had three sort of pretty challenging years. And for the first nearly two years that you're running your own business, how, how did you find those challenges? When, when you got to that point where things were starting to really mount up, and they did on all of us, I've sort of spoke, been speaking to people all right through the last three years who have said, we're the meat and the sandwich, we're getting competing demands and it's it's all getting too much for it. What did you do to get you through that? Where did you go? What's What were your coping strategies and, and where did you find your your inspiration and your, your influences over that time when things really did start to, to, to come in on you? <laughs> Unfortunately, for the first six plus months of that, I was pregnant, so no wine. It's not always a sound strategy either. No, it's, not. <laughs> it's probably not the healthiest. No. For me, it was, I have, I've, I've been, as you mentioned, I've been in this industry a very long time, about over 13 years. So I have a lot of contacts in the industry and I would reach out to some of them to either help me or, or bounce ideas off or just to talk to. And I know Kirk, you were one of them. And... <laughs> It was it was a hard time. It was it was a really really hard time, and it did leave me reassessing why I was doing what I was doing, mm-hmm. uh, and it it was a factor in why I did sell my agency. I'm not going to sit here and say that I was immune from from that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it also taught me a lot of things, and that was that. Most people have more empathy than you realise. So long as you can connect with them and talk with them and use their communication style. Everyone has different communication styles and how they how they respond is based on that. So you might have a client that you think is really, really difficult, and maybe they are, but maybe you're just not communicating with them in a style that they respond to well. And that might mean maybe that property needs to go to a different property manager. It could just mean that you need to spend a little more time in building that relationship and fostering it because you can come across difficulties and fix it and repair it. What would be your strategies around that, around trying to to, to rebuild that that relationship? What what, what would you think would be the top couple of things you'd, you'd suggest to someone who is in that situation where they are struggling? Yeah. And they just need to try to recast that relationship. It may not be possible for them to pass it on to another PM if they're the only property manager in the office. How would you suggest they try to rework the relationship? I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. People tend to be, tend to, obviously generalisation, less volatile with 
people that they're not really on the best of terms with over the phone because it's more confrontational than say an email because an email can be quite impersonal and you also don't understand necessarily the tone that it's written with you know either side of things so sometimes you just need to pick up the phone and have a conversation and you're always going to have people that don't respect you and are never going to respect you and those are probably clients that you need to assess whether they're worth having in your business and whether they're worth it for you and I highly encourage property managers and directors and anyone else that's involved with running their agencies to look at their client pool and if you've got a client that is always regardless of what you do they're always volatile or rude or abusive or whatever else, cut them loose. It's not worth your staff's mental health. It's not worth your Mm. mental health. And if you have done all the right things, you've picked up the phone, you've tried to have a conversation and talk about something that's not necessarily specifically like their property, you could just invite them out for a coffee if they're local or something. But if you've tried to initiate and repair and it's not working, then Mm -hmm. politely cut them loose. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Not all business is good business. And that's something that I I was taught many years ago and it's something I I think I talk about in some of the sessions that I run. But it's also the sort of thing that we, we can't grab everything we can't get every possible piece of business for ourselves because some of it's just toxic some of it's damaging to us uh, and that's one of the reasons i think that I'm, I'm, I'm running this series of podcasts to give people some strategies around how they cope and, and what they can do to assist themselves and therefore better assist their their, their clients so it's it's that whole sort of thing and you're right Picking up the phone, having a direct conversation with someone, uh, and I, I don't mean being direct, I mean having a, <clears throat> an, an immediate conversation where you do get a tone of voice. And, yes, sometimes they can be, they if, if it's a bad enough situation, they can be a bit angry and they can be really upset. But they will, I think, be diffused more when you have those conversations with them rather than try to go back and forth by email. Because emails really, you, know, you only read an email with your own tone of voice, your own frame of mind at the time, rather than the tone in which it's sent. Because you haven't put yourself in the position to have that gauge on, on the person on the other end. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely bang on. And um, you know, when you do get emails, I think that that rile you up a little bit or that you... Uh, perceiving in a tone that maybe isn't so positive, don't reply right away. Just step away. (laughs) (laughs) Just just give it it a minute. And, I mean, I found you've got your internal structures, software processes, procedures, whatever, and those sort of things can help prevent people from getting quite upset if you're following it really, really well. But there's people that are just constantly not not really mm-hmm. lovely people. And I think our role 
in property management is understanding that you're working with clients of, and I, I use clients as a colloquial term. Mm-hmm. For yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So you've got to understand that you're dealing with clients from different demographics, different mm-hmm. cultures, different everything. And no two people are the same. And therefore you can't use the same communication method on everyone because it's not going to work. So yeah. if you sort of feel something that's not not leaving you too impressed and you have that urge to just smash the keyboard, try not to. Just <laughs> get up, grab a coffee, <clears throat> go for a walk down the road. If you're working from home, I know it's it's probably a lot harder. People don't typically walk away from the computers quite so much. I know for me, I don't. I, I forget to eat and take breaks and stuff like that mm. when I'm at home. So if you're working from home and you have a pet, go play five minutes catch with your dog or something. I'm sure your dog's going to be really happy about that and it's going to be a lot better for you, for your own mental health as well. And you've just got to think about the little things that make you happy or spark a little bit of joy and try to find ways to find those throughout your work life. Even if your work life is fine and you're not really having any issues, you still want it to be a little bit fun sometimes. So you don't, I personally, I, I don't see a job, just a job. I do get heavily emotionally involved rightly or wrongly. And I think when you, are doing something with a really good passion, you're generally better at it. Mm-hmm. You generally, you generally yeah. get better results as well. So yeah. if you're finding you're lacking some of that passion, maybe mm-hmm. book, book a week, yeah. take some time yeah. and find right. it. Just step away. Yeah. And you're right about finding some fun in it because it's, I mean, we spend so much of our time <clears throat> pardon me, in work mode or at work, whether it's, working from home or working from an office. We've got to, we, we can't be Sam serious about it all the time. We've got to have some some fun in there. What are some of the things you do with your team that sort of engender that, that sort of create that sense of fun within the office? I think I need to do more, to be honest. I think yeah. I think I need to be realistic and I need to do more. But this week we actually have booked the whole team to go and see the Roan exhibition at Flinders Street Station. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we're headed there this week and then we're doing a lunch after. And the reasons I say more is because this is like our second time doing something like that since I started and I've been there for almost a year and I think it's important to maybe do it a little more regularly. And we did speak about sort of doing a once a month, uh, like working lunch meeting or something like that, which I'd like to implement because that would be yep. good. But in general, the day-to-day from from a management perspective, so in what I do, I think it's really important for me to be available for my team and to give them my opinion, my experiences, my knowledge, and provide that to them so then they can make a decision on where to go or in some circumstances step in and help them out with responses and things and just 
yeah, from management, just being available and respecting that everyone's human and having a bit of sense of humour. At least I think I have a sense of humour. I make myself laugh, that counts. Yeah, just having the ability to have a bit of fun of fun with yep. it is, mm-hmm. you know, sure, be professional as you as you need to be when you're dealing with your clients and externally, but internally your team culture makes a big difference to your everyday work life and it doesn't have to be like a lunch or something like I was talking about it just even just has to be getting to know your team and again just having a bit of fun and offering them when you go down to get a coffee get them a coffee whatever whatever it ends up being you know it's just it's communication communication is a big big thing Exactly. And one of the big things I found also with that is marking anniversaries or marking birthdays. You you bring in a birthday cake. And and I think now with everybody's dietary requirements, that can be a bit fraught too. But it's it's I think it's it's thinking of those things to acknowledge them as human beings. Because we're I have everyone's birthday. Sorry? I have have everyone's birthday in my calendar. But funny story, it was one of the team's birthdays, not last week, the week before. Mm. And I accidentally entered it in my calendar the day prior. (laughs) 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 So I sent her this, you know, yeah, so I sent her this big happy birthday thing. She didn't tell me. (laughs) She's like, oh, thanks. (laughs) And, uh, And then I was talking to her later in the day. I was like, so how's your birthday going? And she's like, oh, it's actually tomorrow. <laughs> can, I, can I let you know tomorrow night? <laughs> yeah, she was just too nice to to tell me. I was like, oh, I guess you get two birthdays. <laughs> yeah, but it's also, I think it's also that thing that you know, they're so pleased. It's, I mean, I think I certainly grew up in an era I went through my the first part of my working life in an era where you know, those sorts of things didn't really even rate a mention in the workplace. Yeah, and I think it's really only been maybe the last eight to ten years, that it's become a lot more of a of an, of an item. And certainly the last three, three years and four years, it's certainly become a lot more important because people are looking for that sense of, of belonging, of, of being acknowledged. Yeah. And that when, you, when you've got that as part of your culture, it makes it a far better place to work, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. People... I think regardless of being a part of a business, whether it's a a not-for-profit or a for-profit or whatever, people do business with people. People don't do business with businesses unless it's businesses Mm. doing business. So people do business with business, with people. Mm. And those people need to stay engaged and positive and you need to foster that really great sort of culture because if you find the right person you want to hold on to them you Mm -hmm. don't want to let them walk out to the next agency down the road you want to you want to keep them and the way you keep them isn't just about money it's it's about treating them properly treating them as though they're human because they are and I think in the last three three years it's really illuminated in in business practices in many industries not just ours Mm -hmm. that employers need to respect that their staff are people first and the industries or employers that aren't respecting that 
tend to have a much higher turnover of mm, their staff oh, members. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think it can become that you become more people people centric and, and be be aware that we're humans first. Absolutely. It actually helps to to create the culture again, and that is yeah. such a big thing. You're right. It's it's. It, it probably ranks as equal with with money or remuneration, however that's however that's framed, is the way that people want want to be considered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sam, I think that's a really great note to to end up on. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled that you accepted the invitation to come on here. I really am because one of the people I really wanted to speak to. <laughs> it's so kind. But again, thank you very much. I hope that Home Ground continues to, to make a difference to people's lives. And uh, I look forward to, to watching your progress and, and, and watching theirs over time. So mm-hmm. thanks, for, thanks for joining us. I'm sure that the people listening today would have got quite a great deal out of it, particularly in the last little bit where we're talking about the way that we actually should be treating each other and, and, and actually working within our own teams so thank you worries thanks so much thanks for tuning in you've been listening to another podcast in the influential conversation series these are brought to you proudly by tappy box brownie inspection express and agent dynamics please be sure to tune in next time for the next in this series